0: Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. We're going to be talking about concussions today. Now, a lot of people think they can only happen if you're playing sports or if you fall down and hit your head and lose consciousness. But there's a lot of different things that go into the diagnosis and the management of concussions. And given what we now know about people who have repetitive concussions, whether they be in pro sports or whether they be in other academic areas, etc., this can have long-term effects. And so today we're going to be talking with Dr. Ben Chun. He is an expert in dealing with concussions and the diagnosis and management of this, and how do you know if you're at risk for it, and most importantly, what can you do to prevent it? Dr. Chun, welcome to The Body Show.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Now, you've been at Kaiser Permanente for how long now?
1: Ten ten years.
0: Ten years. Okay. So in that decade of time, you have certainly seen a lot of different head injury issues, concussion issues. What have you seen that's changed in our knowledge about concussion over the last decade or so?
1: Well, concussion management has changed a great deal since I was in training uh, specifically around management uh, with concussion injuries, especially on the field, so there 's in that decade time there 's been legislation in all fifty states regarding concussion management, and now the biggest rule change was you have to pull someone off the field if there 's any suspicion of concussion and they cannot return to play that day and they and also that they need evaluation by a medical professional before they can return to play that 's probably the biggest significant change legislatively regarding concussion in the last decade.
0: So we used to just let people, oh, you look okay, you feel okay, go right back to playing. And now we're being much more conservative. Why are we doing that? There's, There's got to be a beneficial reason. What is that?
1: Well, I think uh, somewhere along the way, concussion and concussion management became at the forefront of that sort of media attention, especially with regard to the NFL And that drove a lot of the change in awareness of concussions and maybe that there are bigger consequences to the injury that maybe we were overlooking before. Um, If you're looking at the teenage population, we know that getting a brain injury, if your brain controls everything that you do in your life and your success academically and your success athletically, if you disrupt that, it can have longer-term consequences for those individuals. So paying more attention to those injuries And managing them better probably is a good thing for all of us to do.
0: Well, and I think now we're recognizing and appreciating the fact that there are these long-term consequences. We've known about, you know, there's that... There's that description of dementia pugilista, or being punch drunk. And essentially what it was is the acknowledgement that some of the earlier days of having boxers get hit repetitively in the head caused some troubles as they got older. But we never really focused on that in the younger population and recognized that these repetitive head traumas from certain types of sports could be a problem. Let's define the basics. We're talking about concussion. Not everybody may may understand what that is. How would you define concussion?
1: Well, I think it's important to distinguish between what you're talking about, which is the chronic traumatic encephalopathy, so the long-term brain injuries that happen with repetitive brain impact that aren't necessarily concussion-related. That is something we don't know yet. So defining concussion, concussion by itself, is a brain injury where the brain sustains some kind of impact, either directly to the head or there's some kind of transmitted force so you can get hit somewhere else in the body, Brain's like an egg yolk inside an egg. It kind of rattles around in there and smacks around. And there's some temporary disruption to the brain's ability to do its normal function. So the good news is that the vast majority of concussions get better all by themselves. It's a self-limited condition. It doesn't cause permanent changes in the brain. That's concussion by itself. The chronic traumatic encephalopathy is a separate condition where there are changes long-term in the brain. And we're not sure what the connection is between those two things at this point.
0: But we do know that multiple concussions is not good for you.
1: We know that multiple concussions is not good, but we don't know how many is not good for you. So that's a really complicated question to answer is how many concussions is too many. And what we usually look for are are there additional risk factors for that individual. So are they sustaining concussions with lesser and lesser force blows? So someone that's showing that they cannot protect themselves in the field of play, or it's taking less and less force. We know that your threshold for getting another concussion goes down the more concussions you get. Maybe they're taking longer and longer to get better after each concussion, or the consequences are getting bigger each time they're getting one. Those are people that we start to have the conversation of maybe you need to retire from the sport or change sports or reconsider things. But there are unfortunately no set guidelines on how many is too many and what age is too soon to start getting them. We don't know all those things.
0: Well, and it's hard because everybody is different. Literally every person's body may respond differently to different insults or different injuries. Exactly. And and
1: even in an individual, you can have one type of concussion experience the last time and have a completely different run with your next concussion.
0: Sports. Which sports, and let's talk the younger crowd right now, Mm -hmm. which sports as kids go back to school and as parents get them enrolled in various different types of activities, which one should they be most concerned about regarding risks of concussions? I've seen the list before and it seems a little surprising.
1: Well, I think this is probably a good good time to plug something that Hawaii is awesome at. So Hawaii has one of the best sort of concussion awareness programs and best sort of concussion tracking programs across the country. We have the only state with a single unified school district, which means that all the concussion injuries that happen, we're able to collect all that data. And there's a great group called H Camp that does a lot of this work. And they've really given us a lot of great data about this, about where are the concussions happening? Who's it happening in? So in our local data over the last 10 years, uh, we've seen that concussions really happen in all sports. So the one that has the most number of concussions is still football, but football does have the most number of athletes participating in it. So that's also why that number is higher. But if we look at the risk per sport, the highest risk for getting a concussion is actually girls' judo. So if you look at number of concussions per participant. So there's no single sport that's completely risk-free from concussions, right? But there's different ones that are going to have higher risk depending on who's participating and how they participate.
0: Do our sports that we identify as having higher numbers of concussions per athletes participating or even just total number, does that vary from what they might see on the mainland?
1: It's hard to say because, again, our, probably the Hawaii data is a lot more comprehensive than the mainland data, but it's probably pretty close and pretty close from sport to sport. And what you see is a response to that is the different sports looking at various rule changes or changes in how they prepare for the seasons to try and mitigate some of this. You can see a lot of this happening in the NFL and the NCAA. Um, you see these um, sort of force monitors and football helmets trying to figure out this information. A lot of people have heard of this um, sort of rugby style of tackling that was introduced on the Seahawks and University of Washington where I went. They're doing that as part of their tackling training program. The NFL runs the Heads Up uh, program to teach tackling technique to try and lessen the risk of concussion injury. Even uh, FIFA for soccer was sort of dabbling in maybe they should eliminate headers at a, uh, below a certain age or above a certain age or completely. So these are all things that are going to reducing the number of concussions that you see.
0: Well, we're definitely trying. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Ben Chun. He is a sports medicine specialist at Kaiser Permanente. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the types of treatments, well, identifying a concussion and what needs to be done for it. It's not about taking a bunch of medication, but there are some things people can do to help. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Ben Chun, Sports Medicine Specialist at Kaiser Permanente. And today we're talking about concussions. A lot of information in the media about chronic head trauma, but concussions are something that can start in the young and a one-time event is not necessarily going to lead to some of the same things we're hearing about with some of the major sports injuries and major organizations. But if we can avoid it, we'd kind of like to. So Dr. Chun, what would you describe as the symptoms of someone who has just had some type of injury that has resulted in concussion? Granted, it doesn't have to be direct head trauma. It could be sort of retro, sort of actually anything that shakes up your head. I mean, it could be just your response to being hit in the back or, or anywhere like that. What would the symptoms be? How would you identify it?
1: Concussions is a hard thing to identify at the time, and that's what makes this injury difficult. you Probably seen this in the NFL where they actually have spotters now to look for concussion injuries that might have happened that aren't as obvious. So, initially, again, it's an injury to your brain. Your brain controls kind of everything. So, there's a ton of different symptoms that you can get. The most commonly described are going to be headache, dizziness, sense of fogginess, or sort of a, a unawareness of your surroundings, maybe unsteady on your feet, a lack of ability to balance. You may be completely confused and run off to the wrong sideline. Um, there's an emotional component sometimes, so you'll have kids burst into tears on the sideline or on the on the uh, at their bench on the basketball court. Um, they personalities might change. They make make decisions a little bit slower or more di- or differently. Um, over time, it can affect their mood. It can affect their sleep cycles. It can affect their ability to focus and concentrate. So basically, everything everything your brain controls can somehow be affected by a concussion injury.
0: And you don't have to lose consciousness.
1: You do not have to lose consciousness. That's actually pretty uncommon to lose consciousness in most concussions. Um, and a briefing on loss of consciousness, so a short, brief loss of consciousness does not mean you have a worse concussion. But if you do happen to lose consciousness for a longer time, longer than a minute, it can mean a longer-term injury.
0: What's the rationale behind, and maybe this is old school, behind the thought that if someone has had a concussion, you don't want them to fall asleep immediately and then just not be responding to you. Is that still a recommendation that keep an eye on someone for a couple of hours, try not to let them fall asleep as soon as they get home, keep them up and keep them moving? Why do we do that? And maybe do we do that? And if so, why?
1: So we don't do that anymore. We, we say, okay, just go ahead and let them rest, let them sleep. The first thing the brain really needs is just a little bit of recovery time and rest. So we just let them get rest. So a couple of things. The the biggest thing when you have a concussion or a brain injury is making sure it's not a worse injury. So the same forces can cause skull fractures, they can cause intracranial bleeding or brain bleeding. And that's not a concussion. That's a separate injury that's much, much worse. And that will usually present as this deterioration of their condition over time. So they'll start out injured, but they'll get way worse all of a sudden. They'll be hard to arouse, they're difficult to they lose the ability to speak normally, so in, or their headache will get much much worse. So when we see someone deteriorate really rapidly, we need that's an emergency evaluation to make sure there isn't a bleed in the brain. Otherwise, we just sort of let the brain recover. So we keep them in a safe environment. We don't want them returning to play, and then we have someone keep an eye on them. We don't want them isolated by themselves because we want to look for those things that are happening that might be worsening. We. Don't tell people anymore to keep waking people up, right? We just sort of check on them if they look okay and they're doing fine and they haven't changed their status at all. We're okay with that. So we let the brain rest now. We don't say you have to keep someone from sleeping.
0: Because I'd wonder if you're concerned about someone recovering, how would you know how they're doing if they're sleeping?
1: Well, initially in the first... So the the rest thing is really critical in the first 24 to 48 hours for concussions, brain's just taking a big hit. It needs a lot of energy actually to start the repair process. And so anything that you're doing, even if it's, you know, attending a big family dinner or, or trying to do some homework or anything that uses that energy that the brain needs to recover, can slow down that recovery process. So that first 24 to 48 hours really just keep things real quiet, vanilla, just rest as much as you need to rest, keep things really mellow.
0: Do you see that Something like this could affect school performance.
1: Absolutely. So if you break your leg, you're not going to be doing well in the PE class, and it's a time mile. So we tell people that all the time. You can't expect to do well. I know you're, the kids today, their schedules are so busy, and there's so much demand on them that they feel this pressure to kind of perform all the time that they get hit. They don't have time to take, take time to rest and get better first. And we tell them it's like breaking your leg. You, you're not going to run around the track very fast. So if you get a brain injury... You're not going to do well in that quiz or that test or that report that you have to turn in. You have to wait until you're recovered in order to have the brain perform and do its job normally.
0: So that could really have an impact for kids who are in school trying to get into college or get into any other type of educational school after that. This could have huge implications.
1: Absolutely. And that's probably one of the the things that I've observed in the last 10 years that's been the most beneficial from all this increased attention to concussions is that it – because the schools are more aware now and there's, there's programs set up to deal with this injury in the classroom setting, that the kids are no longer being punished for being injured. And that's a big thing. Before, I think there was a lot of this, well, if someone's not doing well in class the two weeks after they had a f- injury in a football game, it was because that kid wasn't working hard enough or they weren't focusing enough. and. Uh, probably a lot of those kids actually were injured and they didn't know. They just knew they were struggling and they felt like they had to buckle down harder. But now that we're aware, we're a lot more able to kind of assist and help them and get them recovered so they can get back to their normal lives quicker.
0: How often does that take on average?
1: So again, with the data that HCAMP is producing here, we have a much better handle on how long it actually takes. You know, for a long time, we we quoted the adult data, which is seven to 10 days for concussion. And that's what kind of developed all these grade one, you're out a week, grade two, you're out two weeks. And we don't use any of that anymore. So it turns out that in the adolescent brain, which is rapidly developing and getting smarter all the time, and so many things are happening, it takes an average of three weeks to get better. So that means half is less, half is more, but it's three weeks, not a week for our adolescent population.
0: And should they they be out of the sport for that entire time during recovery?
1: Yeah. So one of the newer things that's come out with concussions is it turns out that this absolute rest that we were telling people to do even two or three years ago, turns out that's actually not helpful. So studies in 2016 looked at this and found out, you know what, if you completely enforce all rest, no electronics, you know, don't talk to your friends, don't watch the TV, just sit in a Dark room and stare at the walls. I mean, I'd be bored. Exactly. So it turns out that these athletes and these students need the socialization of their peer group. They need to be engaged in their school. They need to be engaged with their teams. They need to be actually physically moving around to do better. Now, if they do too much, they can induce their symptoms again. So what we do is we say, for the first 24 to 40 hours, we really want you to rest. But after that, we want you to start getting back to your normal life. Get your phone back, start doing things. If you feel symptoms, back off. Give your brain a break. Don't push through pain. But get moving, get active, re-engage with your life because that actually helps stimulate that brain to actually recover quicker.
0: Now, we've been talking about adolescents getting these sorts of brain injuries. What happens when you're older? What happens when you're in your 20s or 30s? Do you still have that same potential, that it could take you, you mentioned, seven to ten days to get better, that it could affect your job function, it could affect other things. Uh, Same situation?
1: Yeah. Adults do seem to get better a little bit quicker than the adolescents. The problem with adults is they don't, again, have any time to actually take the time to get better. So they will go back to work and they will find that they're struggling. They'll say, why am I just like sluggish or I feel tired halfway through the day, or I'm just, my sleep is so disrupted, and they just can't put a finger on what was it that is doing this to me. So ultimately, luckily, they do get better. But it may take them six weeks to do it and feel like themselves again, instead of if we knew about it right up front, we could have said, hey, take this time to get better, get back to your normal life sooner.
0: It's hard, I think, when when you don't have that lifestyle flexibility. I mean, although kids wouldn't say school is easy, in comparison to real life, you can take a break from school. You can't necessarily just take a break from from life and your job. It's That's a,
1: tough for everybody. I think it's just it, yeah. because it affects everything, there really is no good time to have a concussion. There's yeah, no just, time where you're not doing anything and you could have this brain injury not affect your life.
0: Right. Just don't have one. Just don't have a concussion.
1: Not having one is probably the best strategy.
0: All right. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Ben Chun, sports medicine physician at Kaiser Permanente. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how can we prevent concussions? What can we do? Are there different pieces of new technology and sports equipment that can help? And what can an average everyday person do just to make sure that they protect their head and hopefully protect their brain and everything else that goes along with it? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Ekahi Ornish Lifestyle Medicine, Hawaii Pacific University, and Ulupono
1: Initiative.
0: Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Ben Chun, sports medicine at Kaiser Permanente. And we're talking about concussions. You know, don't have one. Because there could be some longer-term sequelae, particularly if you have repetitive concussions, but also just in your life trying to recover and just not being up to par. If you see if you see or have kids who play sports, be very careful if they have head injuries because that could be a sign of a problem. Luckily, here in Hawaii, we have some great ways that we monitor that. Interesting, we are the only state with one school district. That's very true. Do all people who get concussions need to have CTs?
1: Absolutely not. Actually, so concussion by definition is a brain injury that is not picked up on standard neuroimaging. So a CT scan is not going to show anything. An MRI is not going to show anything by definition. So you, you a concussion doesn't show these things. If you have stuff on there, that's actually not a concussion. So by and large, we only have to CT scan someone when we're concerned about a skull fracture or a bleed in the brain. And so that's if someone has abnormalities with their physical exam when we are evaluating them on the field or they're deteriorating rapidly like we talked about before. So those are the two things. And our ERs have gotten much better about not exposing these young brains to radiation unnecessarily. Our ERs have kind of led the charge on saying, hey, let's do it when we need it. And they've been really good about that.
0: Well, because repetitive radiation is not a good thing either.
1: Yeah. We want to avoid it if it's not necessary. And most of the time it isn't. That doesn't mean we don't get it if we're not concerned. And we do. So that's why the evaluation, that's why pulling them off the field and making sure they have that evaluation is the key step, right? If it turns out that they don't have a concussion and they just miss that half, we always say it's better to miss a half than the rest of the season or the rest of your life because we didn't want to take the time to look.
0: Who are the medical professionals that they get evaluated by? Is it someone like yourself or you at some of the sports games with your kids? Is it someone who has a background in concussion? Could it be anyone who's there to do this evaluation?
1: Yeah, so the tough thing is getting enough people out there because there's sports happening all around us all the time. And, again, Hawaii is a great state as a model to the nation and how to kind of cover things. We have athletic trainers at most, if not all, schools. That's a requirement, and we have really, really excellent athletic trainers. They're the ones who actually lead the, the charge on concussion management. So they're there to do the assessments initially on field. Um a lot of teams will have a sideline physician um that's helping out and they will do that. Um your primary care provider, your pediatrician will be the one that that sees the athlete after the initial injury. Um the sports medicine specialists are around. If there's a question about what's going on with this particular athlete, is there a question on return to play? We have our colleagues in physical therapy, neurology, neurosurgery, neuropsychology. It takes a village to manage this condition. Um HCamp has done a lot of work to try and get more of these resources out in the community for referees, for coaches, for club sports, because not everyone has the luxury of having medical professionals around them all the time. So some of it is just sort of having enough information to sort of support yourself and, and get, have a little bit more understanding about it to keep the athletes safe.
0: How else can we keep them safe? Are we getting better at, you know, I know that helmets don't completely protect someone because your brain, again, can still jostle inside the helmet. Do helmets help anyone at all? I mean, we wear them on bikes or we're supposed to. We wear them if you play football. There are other situations where you'd wear a helmet. Does it really make a difference?
1: Unfortunately, we still have yet to get a headgear or helmet that actually prevents concussions. Helmets are excellent at preventing skull fractures, which used to kill athletes on the field. So it's
0: a good reason we have helmets. So that's why we have
1: helmets. But helmet technology has not progressed to the point where we can prevent that internal rattle of the brain. It just doesn't happen yet. So it's not that they're not trying really hard. The helmet companies are doing a lot of great science there. But there is no helmet that can actually prevent a concussion. No headgear, no mouth guard, no device that's going to prevent you from having concussion injury. But they can be really helpful for preventing other bad injuries. And that's why we use those protective equipment.
0: I kind of think about it like if you put foam around your car, that doesn't mean that you inside the car can't move. That's true. So, you know, your brain is like that human inside a car. Mm-hmm. And if you... Put some protective thing around it, a bunch of bumpers, whatever it might be, the person in the car can still move. The brain in the skull can still move. And therefore, you could have some consequences to that. So covering the outside, not necessarily going to completely do the job.
1: And we don't want to have this false sense of security that just because you have this thing around your head. Oh, now I can you go can, wild now. Now you can use it as a sledgehammer in the middle of the, the game either.
0: So… There really isn't any perfect gear that will help with concussions. Although you brought up a very good point, it can help to prevent skull fractures, other, other injuries, sorts of yeah. trauma that could be associated with it.
1: And the most important thing is that the equipment fits properly. That's the key. Equipment cannot protect you if it's not fit properly.
0: So if your head doesn't fit in your helmet, you can't just switch to someone else's. Or if you don't have the right protective gear for any part of any sport, really, you have to make sure it fits your body and your requirements. What happens if you get multiple concussions? I mean, we've talked about if you have one, there could Mm -hmm. be some troubles. What if you keep getting them? What if you've had four or five? Is there any time frame in which in the course of a year – Someone would be told, you really need to stop playing that sport.
1: Yeah, there's no set guidelines on that, unfortunately. So a lot of it comes down to just listening to what the risk factors are for that particular athlete. So some athletes just are not able to protect themselves. They just, quote unquote, don't keep their head on a swivel. They don't have field awareness to know where the danger is coming from to protect themselves. Some athletes just have hard luck and they just keep getting injured. And if we notice that it's taking, like we said, less force to cause the injury or they're taking longer to recover, that's when we'll start having those conversations with them and their parents.
0: So that would be the parameters. It would be, hey, now you just have a minor a bump, and you're having these symptoms, right. and or you're having such a hard time recovering from this. Exactly. So that would be a time to maybe move into a different sport, do some different activity, yeah. not put yourself at risk. Because
1: yeah. they're all going to be professionals in something in life.
0: Hopefully, something that will they'll be able to do if they and if they protect their brain enough, they can continue we on. We want
1: them smart and healthy forever.
0: Absolutely, we need we need people like that in society to help all of us in the future. If, there's, if someone were to have multiple concussions, take a year or two off, and then go back and want to do a sport that could potentially put them at risk, is that amount of time enough to let some healing occur? I mean, I'd hate to say to a high school freshman, no more sports for you or no more football for you, yeah. and then have them want to come back as a junior or senior and be told, there's no way. Does that happen at all?
1: Not anymore, actually. So because the, the way the management guidelines work now it's really geared to making sure that athlete is completely recovered before they go back to their sport so when they're ready to go back their sport they, they are back. completely recovered they don't have residual effects it's not like you're you know you partially heal the fracture and you're going back out there this is a completely healed brain they're back to square one they can go back to doing things um, everybody makes their own kind of decisions and you're seeing that play out in the in the NFL and the retirements and things on well, what? how much risk do I want to take on and is this a good idea for me? And I think sometimes when people have concussion injuries, it kind of makes them stop and say, well, how much do I really like what I'm doing? And some people, it's very reasonable to say, you know what, I had this injury and I am I treated it appropriately and now I'm going to go back out there. And we certainly support that sports do and athletics do a lot for people and we wouldn't want to take that away from them. Because it, it's really a beneficial thing. But we want to keep everyone as safe as we can.
0: Well, and there's a lot of benefit to the exercise. Absolutely. You know, getting out there, lowering your blood pressure, yeah. lowering your cholesterol, keeping your sugar working down. And teenagers. That happens, right, with workouts.
1: Working as a team. We know that teens who participate in sports do better in school, uh, they achieve more, they get into trouble less. A lot of benefits to sports.
0: So, your kids, mm-hmm. can they play football?
1: That's an excellent question. So that comes up. So I, we get asked this more now because of the whole CTE thing. So the NFL study that just came out or that, I'm sorry, the CTE study that just came out about the brains donated from professional football. um, It says that they're at high risk for developing these CTE changes. So parents ask, well, what should I tell my kids? And it's a informed consent thing. If you hit your head a lot, You have this potential, but we don't know how big a potential it is. We don't know the factors that go into who's at higher risk than anyone else. So it's, you got to make your own decision as a family.
0: All right. On that note, lots of people have to make a decision that works best for them. And if you want to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. If you have questions, you can always send us an email, talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich, Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week right here on The Body Show.